What happens when you stop seeing people? What happens when you stop seeing people behind bars as criminals and start seeing them as human beings? Welcome to Sentences: Storytellers Beyond Bars, the podcast where we explore the impact of the criminal justice system in our communities. All right, George. So we're going to start up. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Alfred's not going to be here today. Um, he uh, asked me to fill in for him. Uh, you guys might remember my voice, um, Jose Cubillas, and today I'm going to be interviewing George Sanchez. Uh, George Sanchez is a a poet. He's only 18, and he's already made a name for himself. How are you doing, George? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, man. How yeah. about yourself? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's good to get you on to Sanchez's podcast. Um, so let's let's get into it. Let's let's start with. Um, your experience getting into writing. So how, how'd you get into poetry and writing yourself? Honestly, like, it's kind of like a long, it's it's a long poem itself, you know? It's a long story, but mm. I was incarcerated. I was locked up, you know, uh, at a young age. I was about 12 and a half, 13 when I first entered the system. And I and I didn't have no uh, no knowledge or I was aware that this will later become my tool, my passion. I was so uh, dedicated in my ways. All I saw was what I felt was true, and that was, and that was that evil that so possessed me those many years as a youngling. But when I got locked up, you would think that uh, being in such a horrible place, um, locked doors, being told when when you could shower, when to eat, you think you want to change, but. That wasn't the case, especially not for me. I um, I continued my gang ways. I was in there. I was fighting every chance I got. Any rival that entered the unit, I was. If I could get to them, there would be a physical altercation. Being in so many lockdown units, lockup, and just twenty-four hour lockdown. After you know, all my letters were sent out. After I wrote to the girlfriend. After my letters to my family saying sorry were sent out, the sorries to, to, you know, my girlfriend, everything. After all that was sent out, and I read the same book about 20 times, which was also about gangs, the gang life. What else was there for me to do? I already finished my set of push-ups. I already finished my sit-ups. I didn't know it then, but I just began writing. I didn't know what I was writing. I was just... I just, I was just writing, you know. There, were, I didn't know what a poem was. I didn't know what having a voice meant. I was just doing what I felt was right. So I continued to write. I continued to write. And before I knew it, it was a poem. Hmm. I didn't know that. And I didn't think nothing of it. I just thought that's something people always do in jail, you know. <laughs> just try to write raps and all that stuff. <laughs> so I figured maybe this is a rap, you know. <laughs> but it was a poem, Without me even being aware that I was letting, allowing my heart to come out my chest, I poured my sorrow in, onto those sheets of paper. I um, I let my tears become those words, because as hard and as solid that I, I felt I was, and I, and I claimed to be. Deep down in my heart, I was um, I was dying. I was rotting because when I was born, I was a full, I was a full healthy apple, but a little bit more in time, walking on this earth after leaving the tree, I was bitten by a demon 
and that demon wouldn't let me go. And it took its time taking bites of me. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And I didn't want to change. And I was able to put that into words. The description of that 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 harm and that evil and just being being lost. I wrote a poem of it. And throughout time I continued to write. I don't know why, but I continued. Then I got myself into a program, a writing program that will come every like Wednesday and Saturday to the unit. And but I wouldn't always make it because I'd either be in lockdown, I got into a fight. But when I did go, it was a it was a unique experience. It was it was delighting. It was wonderful, not just for myself, but for the for the students that were there. They really appreciated my presence, and so did the teachers. The teachers really enjoyed my presence. They enjoyed my voice, and they said something that um, I never really heard, and that was the word talent. They said I had talent, and it really, um, it really hit me having um, being told that I have talent that my words really meant something. I was speaking not just for myself, but for a crowd of people. I was describing the lifestyle that many have to go through and are and is not taken or acknowledged the way it should. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear it a, a thousand times in the raps, the, the glorifying, the money, the women. Um, and I felt those vibes too, you know? I want that. I wanted that. It just, I'd say it's it's all like, a brainwash it's, it's you think that some people would uh with that with that influence would try to change the kids and they say they do outside of the in the the, the studio and all that but it doesn't say that in the raps you know mm-hmm. but my poems i was really getting deep in the gangster's heart i was able to describe the things that aren't told on the raps feelings you have to feel when you're when you're in a cell when you're in lockup when you're in 24-hour lockdown when you're just thinking like wow i'm never gonna get out of here just want you to think about that just being in the cell and really seeing that you're never gonna get out of there it's horrifying i was dedicated so it didn't mean anything to me i was willing to go through that darkness through those lonely hours where my girlfriend kept asking me every time when's your court date when's your court date when's your court date Whenever we were able to speak, whenever I was able to contact her, if it was through a phone call, letter, I lost her. I lost her to that life. Um, I lost my family as well. I lost a lot of family members. They uh, they gave up the usual. And I remember I was like, I feel like I'm just another another sad story, the same story being told, just, just a different face. I always thought that, and it was always discouraging. Being another hood story that inmates read in jail, it was just, it was horrifying in a way. So I was like, why do I write? I don't want to be a, another messed up Tookie Williams story or could have, should have, but couldn't, you know? He had so much talent, but he didn't do anything with it. So I'm like, instead, maybe that just be like, he didn't have talent and he always been a mess. He was always a messed up individual. So I did quit writing. I, I, I don't. I wasn't getting results. I wasn't doing anything with it. No one was really telling me that they could get my stuff out there. But then all that changed. Somehow, some way, professional authors started coming to speak to me. They wanted to see more of my work, that, they, they, that they've seen my work, that were touched. 
they felt the rawness and the truth in my words and they wanted to see more of it that I had more of it and I said yeah I did I, I do so I remember I pulled out all my composition books filled up stuff <laughs> and I uh, should have seen their eyes they were just like whoa this is this is so much this is a lot you know wow this is great just seeing that amazement in their eyes that 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 surprised look it brought back that spirit I could be something else. I don't gotta be those, those same old hood stories, you know. I, I could bring a different image for my for my people. And even mm-hmm. though I still was what I was, a bald individual, a little, uh, you know, uh, with the little uh, style of, you know, little gangster and all that, I was a poet. And I didn't own up to that title until much later. I was thirteen, man. I was crazy. I was, but I still wrote. And they were able to publish my first book. I published my first book when I was about 13, 14. It was a poetry book, a collection of my poetry. And I, I was able to publish that. What's the name of that, that book, the uh, first one? An Aztec Slave. And it has a lot of meaning behind that. Um, you could say I was like, even though I was what I was, I was like a little nerd. <laughs> mm-hmm. I loved reading. I loved education. I always, every chance I I could get, I would read books. I was really influenced by Tupac majorly. You know, he's a Gemini and I'm a Gemini, you know. <laughs> so I could really relate to that dude. And his music was really inspiring for me. And I remember being in my cell with no radio. And while I was writing, I would play Tupac songs in my head, in my mind, while I wrote poetry, while I wrote my story. Mm-hmm. I read uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X. I read about Buddha. I read about uh, the history of the West Indies, of Christopher Columbus, Hernan Cortez, finding the Aztecs, and learning more about my culture as a as a Hispanic man, a Latino, another Latino, another Hispanic man that grew up on on the on the low incoming districts of downtown Los Angeles, and with that, it helped me basically form that title because I I. Uh, I learned about all the things that my people had to go through and I really I really embraced my culture and an Aztec slave I was referring to myself I was an Aztec that was imprisoned in chains being whipped in my back and all that I was a slave I was a slave to the system I was called no longer by my first name but my last name I wasn't I wasn't called George I was called Sanchez Sanchez this Sanchez that Sanchez, 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 and in the courtroom, they said more the name of my gang and my documentation, my affiliation, they mentioned more my gang file than my own name. I was just a slave. I was a slave, and that's how that title came came to be. It's been kind of crazy, man, um, just being able, just seeing all this, man, um, being able to write but still doing what I did, fighting and getting into riots and all that stuff. It was incredible. Still going into lockup lock units and, you know, st- coming out of my room chained up in boxes, being put in a cage. It was crazy. But what helped me to stay sane and what helped me to stay focused and to remember is no longer about me. It's for my people. Was this poetry? Was this writing? It was the sense that I was starting a revolution within myself, within everything. That my people deserved this. My people deserved a voice, deserved recognition. 
because we've been through so much. And when I mean my people, I don't want to exactly just, because I am a Hispanic man, and of course, I'm going to always speak for my people. I'm going to speak for uh, Latinos, Hispanics. But let me rephrase that. My people, I'm speaking about minorities as well. Minorities, period. Uh, you know, blacks, African Americans, Asians, everybody that's going through the struggle, you know, uh, uh, the low income, uh, the whites that are in these low income areas, the, the Caucasians, everybody that's felt sorrow, I wrote for you. I described that sorrow. I, I explained my darkest secrets. I brought memories to life because. I remember those riots, man, when a riot was about to happen and my stomach was turning, seeing the officers getting ready. They already sensed something was going to happen. You see my crowd of the day room of the of the jail over here. That's the dudes with the bald heads. I was among those those warriors. Then you had the African-Americans in their corner getting ready. And then you had the northerners and all of those guys ready. And it was like, I remember that knot in my stomach and just... Getting into that riot and hearing, get down, get down. And then the spray, the paintballs and coming at you. And it's, and you're getting like jumped by like six dudes at the same time. And I got the scars, you know. There's things in me that are broken that I will never be able to, to be able to like lift up and just fix, you know. Because I've been in really bad positions. I've been put down really bad, you know. And I wasn't a big dude. In that world, I was a little guy. You know, I was small, short. I knew what had to get, what had to be done. Even though I was gonna have a purple eye, I've had my nose about broken three times in there, man. I, I just felt like I was never gonna get out of there, man. But I kept writing. It was like a need. It was my water. It was as equal as real water. That's how poetry was for me. It was as equal as eating food. I needed that. My body was so used to it that it needed it. My mind needed it. Revolution starts in different ways, different people and different speeches. And this is how I began my revolution. This is how I began my truth. And this is how I was able to realize things that I ignored for so long. For so long, you know, I lost my mother when I was about seven, eight years old. She died giving birth to my little brother. She had a she had bad health, she was in bad health conditions, but it was either her or the baby. And in the spiritual sense, she um, she chose her, her baby boy to, to be able to smile today, but she had to go. I still remember seeing her in the, sitting there dead, she was lying there dead. And there was blood in the, in the, in her gown and all that stuff, the operating blankets and all that, she was, she was gone. I couldn't touch her face, nothing. I was seven years old. I don't know why they let me see that, but they did. And it's, it haunted me in my childhood. It really did scar me. I mean, it was a, it was a young Hispanic boy seeing his mother dead. His Aztec queen, finally, she, she was really shaken down. She was. So then from there, you knew immortality really was just fiction. It was not real and I had to see I had to see how I could survive best way I could before that happened to me from there I knew death was something real something that doesn't just come out in movies 
And it's funny, but it's kind of cruel and sad that I became more familiar with death than with life. That I continue to see tears before smiles. That I saw angry faces before positive smiling faces. I saw the demon before the angel. And that's how it was. And that's what created me. That's what made that bald little individual dressed in all blue. That's what made me. And that's what I stood for. I ended up publishing my second book while I was in lockup in uh, up north in YA. I published my second book, which is uh, I titled Words from the Deep Core of My Brown Corazon. It was hard to really sit down with my people, um, with dudes from my same gang affiliation that had the same tattoos as me, the same dots, same dots tattooed. And I had to sit with them and tell them I was done. It's time for me to program. It's time for me to um, to run a good program. What did they say to you? Do you remember? Yeah. Um, they couldn't tell me no. I had gave my part. I could have been programmed. We had a rule a certain amount of time, and then you could just relax. But I continued. So, But it, it hurt my heart because I loved them so much. Even though after all the bad things I explained to you, I loved them so much. I loved them all. And it hurt even more when they shook, they all shook my hand to confirm the approval that I could do good now. But it hurt even more seeing them get in a riot and me not getting involved and just seeing them get beaten down by like so many dudes. And, and it hurt my heart, but I had to think about I had to think about the bigger picture. I had to think about my family and I had to think about my career as a writer. I had to think about all the things that were waiting for me out there and the people that had given their all to make me a better person, a better poet, give me the opportunities to follow my dreams. I had to think of them. But seeing that right in front of you crushed me. It hurt my heart. It truly did. It, it hurt me very much. It hurt me very much, but I was able to sacrifice all that no, I'm st I still got a lot to learn, but I came this far. I made it home, and that's the important part. Now mm -hmm. I could now I could really do the things I dreamed I dreamed of to give that kid his dream backs when the system and everybody else took my dreams as a kid. I feel it's my spiritual responsibility to represent the color of my flesh, the history of the Aztecs, the Mexican revolutionaries. It's my responsibility to bring that recognition back to my people who are going through it every day through these immigration problems and all this, through the, the, the political war that's never stopping and African-Americans, uh, the unfairness, the, the unequal, the color thing, the segregations. You think all that was, was just in jail, but no, it's even out here and it's horrible. Mm. It's horrible where at one point I couldn't hug or I couldn't shake the hand of a dude that wasn't my color because we were supposedly sworn enemies. At the end of the day, we're all the same people. We all bleed the same. We all get the same scars. And we all end up in the same place. And that's jail. We don't get our, if we don't put our, our minds to the right, we all end up there. And if I can't be the next Tupac or I can't, I can't be the next uh, uh, 
the next Kanye West, all political, all all celebrity status. I at least know I gave a true, a true voice, and I was able to fight back politically through my words to really make a change for that guy sitting in death row. I want him to realize that I'm fighting for him, so he could come back, even if it's not there, but back to a regular cell to know that there's hope that he could come home. That's what I'm doing. That's what I want to do. And that is what you're doing. I, I mean, the way I met you was through your writing, was uh, Ray handing Words Uncaged. Uh, some of you are familiar with Words Uncaged. It's the organization that Alfred started working with and kind of led him to start a sensitive podcast. And I met Alfred through through Words Uncaged. And uh, I've continued the work with Words Uncaged. And I was handed a stack of George's poems and I was tasked with finding the best poems so that we can exhibit them at the gallery where Words Uncaged was going to have their opening for their journal and also for the journal. And I did end up picking three poems, but it was a really hard decision because all the stuff that I read was really good. It was from the heart. It was, as he says, uh, true to life because as George uh, has always told me, uh, I think from even the, f the first conversation that we had, that everything, everything is a poem. Um, and so I, I picked these three poems that I I, uh, I blew up and I put on a wall of the gallery. It it really made an impact to the people that came around and looked at at his writing, at the physical writing and also at the meaning behind the symbols that he had uh, carved out onto paper. I I met George. Um, in January, so not that long ago, and we've been in contact ever since. And he's been true to that mission. He's he's been uh, putting as much work as he can into uh, getting this this political movement, this social justice movement, on the ground and running. And since he's been out, I mean, since you've been out, what have, has it been since you've been out? Man, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing that could uh that could match the pleasure and the loveliness of freedom. Nothing. Of course, this is so lovely, man. It's, I did six years straight. And for a dude that really didn't feel like he was ever going to get out, man, this is lovely. You know, I was sentenced to juvenile life. I, granted, I was granted parole in 2018, towards the end in December. I still had another... If I didn't parole then, I would have still had another another four years to go. Wow. But I made it home. <laughs> I made it home. And it's just, it's been a lot of work, man. It's a struggle, no doubt. When I first got out, I um, it's a lot of temptation, man, you know. <laughs> and, the <Yeah>. girl, <laughs> and the girls ain't making it easier. <laughs> 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 For real, man. They're not making it any easier, but. As a dude that now is way past maturity and and really earned this sophistication, it's it, you know? It didn't just happen. I had to earn this sophistication uh -huh. and this status of wisdom and being knowledgeable. Uh, there's a bigger there's a bigger mission and there's something there's a lot at stake and I had to remind myself that I was, I was a tool to something greater. If I'm not your chosen one, if I'm not the savior, 
of minorities, the savior of those kids running around not knowing what to do and, and, and skit roll, Pico Union, Inglewood, Boyle Heights, confused and thinking everything is cool to be a gangster or cool to be a to be like those rappers on their music videos. Um it hurts my heart because all that's at stake. Well you're you're doing your part though. Um Yeah, like if I'm not like I like I said, if I'm not uh, if I'm not it if I'm not D, if if I'm not that dude, if I'm not that soldier, if I'm not meant to have millions, if I'm not meant to be your actor, if I'm not meant to be a successful, a, a tremendous successful writer like James Patterson or your next screenwriter, I at least set down my foot. I at least left my print on the wall that I was here. And I did what Michael Max did. I I spoke what Martin Luther King spoke. I rallied my people in a manner like Pancho Villa did. I at least could say that. And that my words helped to create that chosen one. To motivate the one that is chosen. And uh, it, the way I see it, maybe you're a little bit of both. Maybe you are doing a little bit of both. You're encouraging somebody else, and you're also that light that gives encouragement. That's that's something that is admirable, you know, to see somebody give themselves so so uh, uh, willfully that way. It's great, and I I've been I see George almost every week. Uh, we've been hanging out almost every week. Yeah. <laughs> since <laughs> since January it seems and uh um but let's let's talk about what what you have in in store in the future. I know you're taking acting classes and uh you're writing a a play. Yeah, uh, um yeah, I'm 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 working on a lot of things right now. I'm actually kind of kind of yeah, I do got my hands full. I'm working on my uh my third and fourth book. Yeah, which is a whole little process. I mean, you you could even speak on that. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm typing up um, his his some of his work. We're we're both going to be doing it now because uh, George got a laptop and we're gonna have it. It's it's a lot of envelopes where that we're trying to get through. It's a lot of handwritten work and all of it's good. We're trying to put it together in, in uh, these two books that he's talking about, and uh, uh, he has the artwork for it already from this guy uh, Juan Mejia, who's at a uh, Calpatra, he's an awesome artist, and he himself has a book, a book in the works with uh, Unlock Tomorrow uh, and Words Uncaged. Yeah, man. Um, but but to hear more, don't even worry. Uh, we've been we've been working endlessly, especially me. I've been going to to try to get the books in different libraries, bookstores, getting it on web on the website. So just find us Unlock Tomorrow or Words Uncaged. Um. Everything's there, and there's a lot more in the making for all you writers trying to make it. Um, trying to get you know out there, you know, don't don't be shy or anything like that. Don't uh, contact us, contact me or anybody part of this organization, and um, we'll do our best to get your work out there. I promise you that, and we're gonna work tirelessly, you know. And we we're, we're still we're still doing that. I'm still in the mission. Uh, it's a mission that it's it's endless, you know, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, man. For you writers, just keep keep doing it, man. Just, there's no right or wrong answer to this. 
It's your voice, your story. So in any way we could help you guys, don't be shy. Come contact us. We we do a lot of everything. Art, writing, filming, everything. Um, I'm I'm working on the play right now, which will be performed. I just got to get it done and turn in my script, my final my final draft. So that will be performed pretty soon. It's a single man play. It's gonna be great. You know, invitations will start throwing out, being thrown out there. So you know, for those that want to come, it will be optional. So. Yeah, just be aware of that. And yeah, you you guys will hear more of us, more of me. Believe me. Yeah, I'm gonna continue. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna continue, no doubt. This revolution never never this revolution uh spirit never ends, you know. It don't come to uh mm-hmm. it definitely it won't come to an end, I promise you that. As long as I'm breathing, and even though sometimes I feel like just like anybody else, tempted and just wanna mm-hmm. give in and just forget. Without what was what's the real plan, I'm uh, somehow, some way, I always find my way to continue. So, you got a loyal soldier right here. That's great. So, that's going to be the episode for today. Alfred will be, will be back next time, and uh, hopefully, I will be here with him. Uh, I'm going to start coming back and helping him out. Please, if you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at Sentences Podcast. Check us out on SoundCloud and also on iTunes. Give a follow to Words on Cage and Unlock Tomorrow. There are a lot of big things uh, on the horizon. And uh, if you can, there's a, a donation button on the Words Uncaged uh, website and on Unlock Tomorrow. Uh, the lowest donation, I believe, right now is about $10 a month. Please uh, go onto the page and uh, donate. That's all, that's all we got for today. Um, thanks for listening. Yeah, have a good one. Have a good one.